0: Welcome to the Marvel Guys Podcast. My name is Jordan, and as always, I am joined by the guy who has spent more time writing his comic book series than writing with his schoolwork.
1: Yeah, that's that's legit. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's been equal. There, there's been a lot of writing <laughs> both both sides.
0: For better or worse. Yeah. All right. So today is going to be a really a special episode where there's no news and notes. Um, We just had an episode that covered everything that's happening right now. So uh, if you haven't tuned into that one already, I recommend checking it out. Uh, We covered all the new exciting news from Walt Disney and pretty, pretty fun episode. We got to talk about a lot of cool things. Um, But this one's going to be focused on Spencer's comic book series that he has going on.
1: Um, We are up to episode five, correct? Yes, five. And we're doing two. So five and six. And the way that I did these is different than I've done the original like first four, uh, purely based in that typically I I wanted to give it like six just to see how I felt about it. And I wanted five and six to be pretty long, so uh, five is five is about the same length, and then six is is a pretty long one. But uh, I actually feel really good about it, so uh, we'll obviously continue. Uh, this isn't like some kind of like story ending type thing, but um, a lot of stuff popping off, so. Where we left off with four, uh, we saw that like Stephen Grant, aka Jake Lockley, aka Mark Spector, aka Moon Knight, is now uh, in jail. Um. Uh. And then we saw that um. Matt Murdock is incapacitated, um, under, underground at the moment. Trying to heal from the the attack of the wrecking crew, uh, he's with Elektra. Um, so yeah, so uh, the last thing that we know about Mark Spector is he's asked specifically for Matt Murdock. Like he's he was he's told that he can have a lawyer given to him, and he specifically asks for Matt Murdock which is interesting, that he would know who Matt Murdock is. Um, So we pick up with him. He's in jail. He's in his cell. He's been there for at least a day now, just kind of chilling. The jailer comes to him. He says, your uh, attorney is here to meet you. And he gets to the little cell thing. Uh, and sitting across from him is not Matt Murdoch. It is Foggy Nelson. Um, much to his dismay, because he needs Matt Murdoch, because he knows who Matt Murdoch is. He knows he's Daredevil. He knows he can stop Fisk. And the idea here is that Mark Specter knows what's going on. Like he kind of figured that he would be in this position. And that he would need Daredevil on the outside running everything. So he's upset. And he tells Foggy, like, look, I need Matt Murdock. I don't need you because I know who Matt Murdock really is. Um, And what's interesting about this is the jail, the jailer, is actually a friend of Stephen Grant's, a friend of Mark Spector. Uh, so the lines that they're using for communication, the phones are not tapped because otherwise they would be. Um, because as we know, Fisk is basically running every facet of like everything going on in New York. So that's a huge part of it. Uh, now we skip to day two because what we knew from Matt Murdock being in underground is that he was out for three days. So what is going on right now is taking place over the course of those three days. We're on day two. is in jail. Um, he sees a crew come in and they're heading towards the evidence area of the police station. He sees one of these people and they make eye contact and they both nod at each other. Specter smiles. He then looks outside of his jail window to see that a full moon is like in the distance and yeah if you know anything about moon night yeah things could easily pop off real quick before breaking uh before like night two uh he has this vision this vision comes to him and he sees the entire city in flames with Kingpin towering over the city. He then has a conversation with the Egyptian deity Seth who tells him basically like, look, you're like, your time's coming. Your time is up. Like, you failed. Spectre's visions then spiral out of control. When he comes back to, he now finds himself locked into an insane asylum, trying to break out. All he knows is that there is a full moon as he looks up to the sky again, indicating that there's a new lunar cycle. Amazing fight sequences break out because he's now surrounded by other patients within this insane asylum. And he just starts going crazy. Like he just starts just one night, like just rocking these dudes. The orderlies come in. He It's not even a match. He just runs through these orderlies. When he gets out to the top of this insane asylum, like breaking through that final door to the ceiling of this insane asylum, he now realizes that he was never in there, that he was in the jail the entire time, and that he just fought off all the cops and inmates that were in there. Uh, Specter regroups. just a second and realizes, I have to find Matt Murdock now. Wherever he is, I have to find him. The night before, this is where we pick up from where Frank Castle was left and his underground lair that had been destroyed by Bullseye. We pick up with Frank, bloodied, walking around in underground areas. He's hurt. He's limping. Finds a safe area to dress his wounds, and as he's dressing them, he thinks to himself uh, that he would have had uh, he would have had them and would have been, been able to put a stop to everything had that one guy not been in the way. He ponders how to get it to drop on the next uh, drop on them on the next time. And he knows the next move for the henchmen. He doesn't understand the entire plan like Spectre does, but he knows the next move, and that they will be breaking out a few inmates. So this takes place before Matt Murdock gets messed up. This is literally like that night before. We pick up with the doctor and the wrecking crew breaking out of prison as they walk through the prison wall. So this is post Matt Murdock getting messed up. They're now greeted with sniper fire from the Punisher, but the doctor says, "Ah, don't worry about that, move for the vehicles. And the reason that he's so confident in that Is that Bullseye pops out from behind Castle's position? He fires an arrow in the direction that explodes on impact and he rushes in. Here we see this like amazing, I wanted this to be like an amazing action sequence, like probably the best one that we've seen so far. And they're struggling, they're fighting. One pulls a blade, it's Bullseye. Bullseye misses wildly, Castle gets a few punches in but the next one connects as he stabs Frank. We then see Castle grab his own knife after headbutting Bullseye, disorienting him. Bullseye's now been stabbed. He makes a few jabbing remarks, which pisses Frank off. Uh, He runs towards Bullseye, and he gets tagged a few times. They struggle for a little while, fighting for the knives that are on the ground. When all of a sudden... A gunshot rings out. And all we're left with is a picture of a like lifeless, white-gloved hand. And what's interesting about that is both characters wear white gloves. That's it. There's blood everywhere, and we see a dark silhouette behind, like in front of them, standing over them. That's it. And then we're, the idea is that We're now going to have two pages in a row that are just black. Just completely black pages, nothing. Then the next page that we pick up with, we pick up with another outstretched hand with a silhouette behind it. However, this one is ungloved. And then we see a bubble that says, Hey, hey, Johnny, rough night. We soon realize that that's Reed Richards that's been standing in the back in this scene. Uh, And we realize that, you know, this is the Fantastic Four. This is the Four Freedoms Plaza. Reed is working on something and we see the clock reads 6.43 a.m. He's looking at strange reports and firsthand accounts of witnesses describing people acting strange, like not themselves. A hushed tone comes over him. He doesn't say anything, but his facial expression says it all. He's unearthed something massive. End of episode five. So, as we all know, this was supposed to be basically the Marvel Knights crossing over with the Fantastic Four. And we're five issues in, and this is the first time we've seen the Fantastic Four at all. And we've only seen Reed and Johnny. So, um, and not much dialogue. But there's a reason for that. Um, Issue six, we'll pick up... um, We begin with Wilson Fisk now, making his breakfast, getting himself prepared for the day. I think we've kind of seen a scene like this before already. But this time, he looks into the mirror, only to see behind him is himself. There's two Wilson Fisks in this reflection. He turns around and there's nothing there. He even chases out into the living area of his apartment complex to see that nothing's there. He's confused.
0: That's a big mirror.
1: Yeah, it's a huge mirror. (laughs) The doctor now begins briefing the wrecking crew for what appears to be the final time. He then looks to one of them and says, Look, I know your background. You're a physicist just as I am. You know proper transportation of the package. You'll be given special orders for one. And I need you to take pile driver with you. Wrecker, you go to the Civic Center basement. Bulldozer, I want you to go to the City Hall complex. They go their separate ways. We then travel to Wilson Fisk, who is observing television reports that show him with a small lead in the polls, even after the arrest of his opponent, but also chaos in the streets because of this. People clamoring, calling out Fisk as one who is unfit for the job. That he doesn't truly care for the people, which enrages him. He turns the TV off, crushing his remote in his hand as he does. He's then briefed by the doctor, who for the first time now looks in a state of panic. Dr. Franklin, you better have some good news. Franklin explains to him that Bullseye hasn't been seen or heard from in a couple days now. Have the orders been given to the wrecking crew? Fisk asks angrily. Yes, they have been. And he's cut off. A shot rings out. Fisk says, then your job is complete. And we see now Dr. Franklin lays on the ground with a single bullet hole in his head. (laughs) So this is huge because this doctor has been Fisk's right-hand man this entire time, and he literally just shot him after getting the news that Bullseye is presumed dead, but, you know, no one knows for sure yet. We then pick up with Matt Murdock. He's still not doing so well, but he's exercising underground. Electra enters. He senses her presence. She explains that she's brought a few rare and special herbs to help him heal and recover. She creates a concoction. He breathes it in. He takes this herbal tea. His senses overload, but only for a moment. All of a sudden, he's flashing through memories from his training, meeting Electra, fighting her, his love for Claire, his father, fighting along Luke Cage and Iron Fist. When we come back to, he's no longer greeted by Electra. He's greeted with the presence of the Moon Knight, Mark Spector, who begins by breaking things down to Matt. He then tells him the whereabouts of Electra, Luke Cage, and the Iron Fist, who are all making their first appearance. Uh, Well, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Spectre tells them that he knows basically everything that Fisk is going to do. He's got a really good idea of points of interest, but he's also got a guy on the inside. And that is more important than anything else. Because if they can stop Fisk from getting any more power, that's all that matters. Not everything else is secondary. Which upsets Matt. Because he wants to know where Electra is. He wants to know where Luke Cage and Iron Fist are. Those are his friends. He's fought alongside them too many times to just not be where they need to be. He needs to be with them, fighting. Mark Mark Spector breaks it down even further by saying that they've basically been sent on a fool's errand, but nonetheless a distraction that can help us take Fisk down for good. Like, you might want to fight with them, but in doing so, you're going to lose the war. So it makes more sense if you follow with me and what I'm doing than it is to go fight them because at the end of the day, we all want Fist gone. Murdoch is challenged by this, but he trusts Spectre enough based on the information that he's been given, but he also feels that same urge to fight by the side of Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and Elektra. He reluctantly agrees that he should go with Spectre, because there's more at play. Their task is to head to the home of the Splinter. He's an FBI agent working incognito, for Fisk's uh, Fisk's gang he basically says that with the evidence gathered they have enough to bring him down but also that he has one final thing that he needs to do and that is to hack into Wilson Fisk's safe for video evidence it's the single greatest piece of evidence because it shows Fisk killing two officials one of which is the former mayor so he's basically killed the person that he's replacing or trying to this video is saved on a drive, which was like CCTV footage that was confiscated by the police, given to Fisk to either destroy or keep. What's interesting is that this guy, who is named Arturo Estrada, is <laughs> uh, he's the guy that helped Fisk obtain this drive. So he knows exactly where it is, exactly what it looks like, everything he needs to do to get in. So, now we pick up with Electra. She's perched on top of a building, looking down at Luke Cage and Iron Fist approaching this building from the distance. They try to open this door, but it's locked. Iron Fist is kind of confused by this. This cage just punches right through it. This completely obliterating this door, taking it off the hinges. But... What they didn't realize is that there's like 15 of Fisk's armed guards inside as well as the entire wrecking crew. (laughs) Um, So he punches down the door. This fight just kicks off right here, right now. Uh, The fight ensues. We go back to Electra who's now been snuck up on by four or five of these henchmen. She begins beating them down, slicing and dicing her way through them. Like, just, it's nothing. They're nothing to it. It's like hot knife through butter. Uh, She looks back, though, to see that Luke Cage is now being, like, kind of in a bind with two members of the wrecking crew. Iron Fist is trying to take out the guards who are shooting at them. He charges up his fist, takes them all out, but it leaves him vulnerable for a knockout blow from one of the crew. She sees all of this and she realizes that, like, wow, like, they need some help. What can I do? But before she can even, like, put that together and get to them, she hears, I can make it less painful for you. She turns around. It's Thunderball from the wrecking crew. Their fight ensues. Electra has the best of them. But she goes for a killing maneuver with her size. Thunderball grabs both sides, snaps them in half. She's shocked. He picks her up, he chokes her out. We then see that Luke has been fighting off the crew, who now he's fighting three of them, but then Thunderball points a device at him and blasts it at him. It's an all-too-familiar blast, one that we've seen before, but this time it's in a smaller scale. It knocks him out. The wrecking crew go about their business, but Thunderball feels kind of enraged by this kind of minor setback. So before he goes off, pulls the pin on a grenade, sticks it in Luke Cage's mouth. It blasts, giving off a radiation-type blast. Cage is presumed dead. We see that Frank Castle is in the back. He's late to the party. Too late. meaning that he's also survived his encounter with Bullseye. We see the Punisher snap an arrow, and that arrow is an indication that, like, yeah, he survived, he killed Bullseye because Bullseye had the arrow. He walks over calmly to the Iron Fist, who's knocked out too badly to respond. Electra's in the same predicament. He then sees that Cage is killed. He's not really hurt by this, but he's bothered nonetheless. He cares for Elektra and Iron Fist by placing their bodies in a safe space, away from the scene of everything. He pays his respects to Luke Cage, and then leaves in the distance, following the trail. We fast forward to Estrada, as he's now sneaked into Fisk's office as part of the security detail. There's no one in the office... It's clear. It's dead silent. Almost too silent. He makes his way to the safe. He begins hacking. We see a countdown. Arturo, nice to see you, Fisk says, which startles him. He looks down to see that 30 seconds remain until he can get into the safe. Fisk turns his back to him and pours a couple of drinks for them. He says, You know, I've had my eye on you for a while now. You show great promise, leadership, and dependability. Fisk looks up with a dark, menacing look on his face as he takes a drink. Arturo is able to get into the safe really fast. Snaps the drive, closes the safe without being detected. But you haven't earned my complete trust to be in this office, Fisk says. So you have five seconds to explain yourself. Five, four, three, two. Just as he gets to two... Daredevil blasts through the glass and begins fighting Fisk to no avail. Fisk is the biggest opponent that he's faced, the toughest opponent that he's faced as well. The Moon Knight then shows up to distract distract Fisk enough. It knocks him down. Arturo then throws the stick to Moon Knight but then is shot by Fisk, who now holds Matt Murdock in his hands with a gun to his head. Moon Knight, being conflicted, understands the situation. He either gives the drive back to Fisk, and the daredevil doesn't die, or he leaves. Conflicted with this, he realizes this was the only way. He throws a smoke bomb, jumps out the window. That's it. Instead of killing Murdoch, Kingpin takes pleasure in beating him into a bloody pulp, wailing on him, left, right, left, right. Murdoch eventually puts up a fight. He starts beating him down with the clubs, hitting him in the knees, dropping, into his, dropping him to his knee, getting really good shots in but ultimately just succumbs to Fisk's hands. Fisk then tells him, this is out of your control now. The votes will be, the votes will be mine, and I've already got the Civic Center, the City Hall. I'm sure you may or may not know, but the hospital is now my ransom to prevent this from all going wrong. Although I didn't think your friend would leave you the way that he did, I'm not that surprised, seeing as how your father wasn't that really great of a fighter either. I can understand now that you are the weak link. This is disappointing and unfortunate. I, did, I really didn't want that many people to die, but now it's out of my hands as well, or in them. He then reveals a device in his hand. Just then, two energy surges go off. The voting booths within these sites go dark and then reboot. We see the wrecking crew leave in the distance, presumably to head back to Fisk's complex. Then we see Frank Castle rushing into the hospital, escorting people out, He's then confronted by the Thunderball and pir- Piledriver pile driver of the wrecking crew. He takes them on, they begin pummeling him, but then he makes a leap over attack on the pile driver, shooting him dead aer- with an aerial attack. Thunderball sees this and goes into a rage and begins beating Castle down until he sneaks a couple shots to the gut. Thunderball collapses. Frank then puts a grenade in his mouth and says For Luke. But as it goes off, he sees that Thunderball looks back at him and cracks a smile before he's blown to smithereens. As Frank turns and looks at the hospital, it's too late. A bomb detonates, completely flattening the entire hospital. Presumably a lot of people still left inside. Fisk looks out to see his handiwork. Murdoch is barely coherent, crawling on the floor, bloodied. But he understands what just happened. He could seal it. He could sense it. He could feel it. He weeps. Fisk begins to pace back. Goes back to his bar. Pours another drink. Takes another sip. As we see Daredevil crawling his way to the window. He falls straight down from the top of the building, his only way out. Falls into a dumpster. His senses go wild. He understands what just happened. He hears the cries of the people. And that's where we end. That was a lot of death. A lot of death. A lot of death. That's the uh,
0: the price, I guess, at this point of the story.
1: Yeah. And that's the overall theme of what's going on. Like what we saw early in the series was Frank Castle killing. And that kind of like set this tone that like he understands the price. Moon Knight hasn't killed anybody, but he understands the price because he was willing to sacrifice Matt Murdock to take down Wilson Fisk, even though, you know, Murdock's still alive, like barely. Um, Yeah, it's, there's a lot, a lot at stake and, but the, but the big thing too, to take away is that there's only two members of the wrecking crew left. Right. Like, Frank Castle did work on them. And, you know, the unfortunate thing was, like, you know, we didn't really... I kind of rushed the Luke Cage thing, but I really felt like that was impactful. Uh, because Luke is a very, like, beloved character. So is Iron Fist, and they're, to have them incapacitated, um, I don't know, it made sense to me. Uh, and I think it... Shows a lot of what what the wrecking crew's thought process was in that moment. They realized, hey, like, Luke Cage, like, this dude is literally taking on three of us and doing work. So, like, he's got to (laughs) go. Like, if we want to be able to do what we want to do, he's got to go. So, um. And and the, the reason that I did that the way that I did it is because like that's literally like the only way that you can really kill Luke Cage is some kind of like radiation blast, um. Because he's insanely strong. Um. What we'll see from here on out, I mean, you'll have to tune in, obviously, but like there's there's a lot of things going on, you know, like did Claire survive. Like is she still was she in the hospital and it blew up? Like Matt Murdoch has been getting wrecked, like almost every issue. Um you know, what, what happens now? You know, what was the deal with the voting booth? Like what what was going on? Like this is obviously presumed to be the election night. Um because we saw people like protesting in the streets. Uh all kinds of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I feel like issue six was probably my favorite just based off of it being kind of action-packed and like the stuff kind of happening at a rapid pace. Um, so yeah.
0: The last one was about 15 to 16 minutes long. So wow. it was getting uh, getting up there. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of story
1: to mm-hmm. go along with the action. Um, the reason I did that too is because I just really did feel like when I was writing the previous four issues, they were super short. I just I really felt like they were really short, and comic books aren't really that short when you like really break down each page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I did a better job in this of like keeping interest but, uh, you know, writing decent content, so. You've got a lot of plates spinning right now. A lot of things happening. Yeah. I mean, what's the fallout of Mark Spector and Matt Murdock? Like, Mark Spector just basically said, F you, this is more important. I don't care if you die. (laughs) Right. Uh, Frank's going to be extremely pissed. Like, he's going to go into, like, probably full rage mode, I would assume. It would be presumed that he would. Uh, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see what all happens. Um, right. Notes from the author. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, it's getting interesting. Uh, a lot of moving parts, as I said. So it's going to... There's a bunch of different main storylines that are happening. Mm-hmm. And each one, hopefully, will have a, a culmination at the end of this. And... uh I think when we're finished, uh, we'll do a ask the ask the editor kind of a thing and see where you were going with right. uh, a bunch of different things, what your thought process was, so yeah,
1: I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the single biggest takeaways are the introduction to the Fantastic Four and the seemingly throwaway scene with Wilson Fisk. Because with everything that happened in that specific issue, that was like nothing. But that's done purposefully. I want that to be done purposefully. So for the listeners, that's a key part. Don't skip over that. (laughs) Like, Don't forget about that. Okay. I'm excited. Yep. uh, what What do you think would be timetable for the next one? Um, it should go pretty uh pretty quick now because there's no school for me okay. anymore at the moment. So Alright, then uh, we got it coming around the corner. Yep. Um I'm thinking that this will be a twelve issue thing. Because now we have the Fantastic Four introduced. Yeah. And stuff has popped off. We're already at election, so As I said before,
0: go back and check out our news and notes um, episode about all the stuff that came out of the Walt Disney Investors Day. Um, Super exciting stuff, a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, The next edition of the comic series will be coming out before you know it, and we will have, of course, new news that approaches, and WandaVision is coming very soon. We'll have uh, recaps of that, so... Uh, thanks for joining us, and if you have any last thoughts or words for the audience,
1: now would be a great, great time. Man, I'm just, I'm excited with all the news from the previous episode, obviously, um, but I'm also really excited about this. Like, I've got like creative juices flowing, and I, I'm excited, very, very excited for uh, the future of the comic series. As am I. Thanks for joining, everybody. We'll see you soon. Take care.